Can Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks match their win total from last season by defeating the Gators on Saturday afternoon? I joined Locked On Gators' Brandon Olsen to discuss that on today's special crossover edition of the Locked On Gamecocks and Locked On Gators podcast. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are here with Locked On Crossover Action, Brandon Olson from Locked On Gators, Andrew Lyon from Locked On Gamecocks, and it's Thursday, so it's always Crossover Thursday here in the SEC. Before we get into it, download the free Upside app at upside.app.link slash locked on to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. And Andrew, we we have a game this weekend. I'm excited for it. I'm assuming you are since, you know, last week or last year. Um, Gamecocks ran for almost 300 yards on the Florida Gators. And that is, that's, that's really fun. But going into this game, what is probably your biggest story for the Gamecocks going into it? Well, Brandon, it's funny that you mentioned the running game because the biggest story for the Gamecocks right now is arguably the status of star running back Marshawn Lloyd being up in the air right now. Uh, Shane Beamer said on his SEC teleconference call on Wednesday that Lloyd practiced with the team and quote-unquote looked good, which could mean a bevy of different things coming from the head coach. But uh, Marshawn has made a big impact for this offense this season. In South Carolina's game against Kentucky, he had 24 touches for 141 yards and one touchdown in the Gamecocks' first win at Kentucky since 2012. South Carolina, of course, ended their winless drought against Texas A&M, and in that game, Lloyd had 116 total yards and two touchdowns on just 20 touches. And for the season, Lloyd's averaging around 6.23 yards every time he is touching the football. So, you know, you could do whatever kind of numbers game you want to play with that kind of average. But, you know, how I describe Marshawn, he is arguably the most talented running back South Carolina's had since Marcus Lattimore. And before his knee injuries, Marcus Lattimore was probably the best running back in all college football during his time. So uh, Marshawn plays a big part of this Gamecock offense. And if the offense does not have him, hypothetically speaking, they would be in a world of trouble in my mind in terms of trying to establish this offense, which relies a lot on the deep play action passing game and also trying to get some horizontal RPOs going out to the edge. Marcus Saffer likes to call that a lot in this offense, but none of that will be nearly as successful without Marshawn and the threat of that running game being there in the backfield for South Carolina. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Marcus Lattimore, and I just want you to know, my knees hurt thinking of that video. Uh, that, that was one of the most gruesome injuries that I've ever seen. It, it, it was, oof. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, Florida's run defense for a, a huge majority of the season has been just absolutely horrible oh my goodness it it is like I feel like at certain points you might as well have me on that d-line they get pushed back so easily I've been saying it if you're a locked on Gators listener you know I have been calling this defensive line soft for the majority of this year they, they just get pushed back they seem very passive at certain points and you're playing SEC football you're playing defensive line you cannot be soft and and they have been so Marshawn Lloyd his potential of, of if he plays and if he does play 
how healthy he is is going to be something that's interesting for me. Like, obviously, if he plays, he's healthy enough to play, but it's a matter of what are we getting? Are we seeing 60% Marshawn Lloyd? Marshawn Lloyd? Are we seeing 90% Marshawn Lloyd? What are we seeing here? And so that's kind of what terrifies me as well because Florida's defense against Texas A&M, second half, phenomenal. First half, absolutely wrecked. Every, I mean, the first play for Texas A&M when I think it was 63 yards on a run. So this defense is just so wildly inconsistent, which has been the story of the season for the Florida Gators defense. And I, I'm terrified to see if it's, uh, if, if Marshall and Lade's healthy, just how bad it's going to be. And I, I think from the Gators pers- perspective, probably the biggest story, which quarterback is showing up for, for the Florida Gators? Are we getting the Anthony Richardson that hasn't turned the ball over in three games, which is not something that we're used to seeing. We were at the point where we were like, okay, we know he's going to turn the ball over at least once because that that's just what he's done, but hasn't turned the ball over in three games, has had passing touchdowns every week since the Tennessee game, which he started off the year with three straight games of no passing touchdowns and interceptions or fumbles. So it's which Anthony Richardson are we getting? Because it's going to be a rocking crowd. It always is in Gainesville, and Anthony Richardson has struggled at home. He he's and he's pretty openly been like, "Hey, man, like like ninety thousand Gators fans cheering my name and and having these high expectations gets into my head, which that is that like that scares the crap out of me. If we're being honest, the fact that he's publicly also saying, "Yeah, I get in my own head and just crumble," that terrifies me. So I need to know which Anthony Richardson the Florida Gators are getting. Right, yeah. Anthony Richardson, of course, is going to play a big part in this game, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a little bit with our key matchups. But another quick storyline I'm going to watch here, Brandon, just from South Carolina's side of things, is their quest to regain some national trust, or even just trust from SEC media folk. Because, obviously, South Carolina was on a four-game winning streak earlier in the season. You can talk about, you know, just how good of a four-game winning streak it was, considering the competition and the teams and how they played at this point. But, either way, it was a four-game winning streak. South Carolina has seen that often in the previous few years and then of course the Missouri game happened it derailed all that momentum there was questions galore about the offensive side of the ball in the week following all of that and now you know South Carolina's had a nice little bounce back against Vanderbilt where they also you know had some uh, lapses especially on defense as well and they're facing a Florida team that of course from a brand standpoint is one of the biggest in all of college football a team that you know despite South Carolina Gamecocks defeating them last year there's a lot of things that are said about that game you know the team had quit on Dan Mullen there was an illness going around the locker room which is a very fair reason you know for that game maybe being as lopsided as it was but you know South Carolina in games like this against national brands, you've got to show up. Programs like South Carolina, you can't just have one win one year like they did last year. You have to validate that by winning multiple years in a row. And, you know, Billy Napier's a first-year head coach, and Napier has had some, you know, positive moments this season, especially on the recruiting trail for you guys, obviously. But, you know, if you're Shane Beamer, with the expectations you had coming into this season— you really can't lose a game against a first-year head coach, even if it is in Billy Napier and it's in the swamp. You just you can't have that, especially if it's lopsided. You cannot have that. You have to come in here. You got to show that you're getting things back on the right track, and that South Carolina can still finish off this year with a really solid record. Yeah, I think that's one of the things too for South Carolina is 
Florida, there's obviously three games remaining for both sides in the regular season bowl games. We'll see what happens, like who, who they play. Um, but South Carolina has Florida and then Tennessee and then a, a Clemson team that I will say they're still a good Clemson team. They did not belong to be in the top, in the top four last week. And that's why they're not, not like they were, they were the worst top four team I've ever seen. So, but it's still a very good Clemson team, especially on games that they're on their biggest issue is just that they're so wildly inconsistent as well. So I think that, yeah, this is one of the last real, I don't want to say winnable games, every game's winnable, but this is one of the last few games where South Carolina should go into this game and say, like, this is a game we should win, um, which I mean, gambling odds disagree, but I, I also don't think that Florida should be favored by a touchdown in this one. But we'll, we'll get to that later. Right, absolutely. And of course, you know, a big part of this game is going to be the players. What are the key matchups to watch in this contest? Of course, Florida is stacked with four and five star talent. South Carolina's got some pretty talented players in their own right. You know, maybe they haven't had the season stay in vision coming into this year, but you know, Maybe that this maybe this could be the game against a Florida defense that, as you mentioned earlier, has sometimes not had some very good moments. Maybe this is the kind of game that they could blow up. We're going to talk about all that in just a couple moments. But firstly, let's have a serious talk. Inflation has all of us thinking about ways to cut back. And for me, maybe you, Brandon, that's meant cutting down on my time spent on the road. So I have to have buy gas as often. But whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store, we can all agree there's nothing fun about less money. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for when you're on the go and you're buying something because you get cash back on every purchase. So to get started, download the free Upside app and use our promo code LOCKED. You'll get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars in cash back every week. And if you still question just how good they are, we'll let the 4.8 star rating on the App Store speak for itself. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. I'll say it one more time. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code LOCKED. All right, now we're back with Locked On Crossover Action. Brandon Olson, Locked On Gators. Andrew Lyon, Locked On Gamecocks. And this is a game that I, I I don't know what it is. I always like the South Carolina game. I don't like South Carolina, but I always look forward to this game. And I'm looking forward to it. And I, I wanted to start off with the matchup that you brought up earlier. So I'll, I'll let you talk about it and, and you kind of brought this up off air but but you brought it up and I would like to talk about it because it is also a thing that concerned me for Florida going into this game right okay so South Carolina of course has a star tight end in Jaheim Bell and with Jaheim Bell maybe being involved in the underneath passing game that would mean that he would be going up against Florida's linebacker core a lot in this contest more specifically linebacker Ventrell Miller now obviously Brandon, in our conversation, this hit home to you a little bit because Ventro Miller has been a big part of this Gators defense. Obviously, no one's going to question his leadership. No one's going to question his production. Ventro Miller has been a big part of the Gators defense throughout his entire career there. But in terms of this matchup, I think if you're South Carolina, especially in the passing game, 
you have to like your odds here. Ventro Miller, for as good as a run defender as he is in the box, I'm not quite sure I like his odds going one-on-one against Jaheim Bell in the short passing game. I think that in terms of his sideline-to-sideline speed, he can cover grass really well, but Jaheim Bell's got incredible route running when he's been given opportunities, which is another question in and of itself, if Jaheim Bell is going to be given that chance to maybe exploit this kind of matchup. Of course, Jaheim Bell has seen some snaps at running back as well because of Marshawn Lloyd's injury over the past couple of weeks. So I think especially if you're South Carolina, I would draw up a lot of one-cut outside routes for Jaheim Bell in this contest. I think that if you do that, you can take advantage of maybe the lack of coverage ability in this Gator linebacker core, more specifically with Ventrell Miller, which not to pick on this part, but he also has had a share of injuries, some serious injuries during his time as a Gator linebacker. So if you're South Carolina, this is a key matchup right here that I think you could exploit. But of course, Brandon, you uh, you might have some pushback on this. So what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, uh, I I do have some pushback because like I told you all fair, uh, you mess with Ventrell, you're messing with me. So I would say that uh, I will I will fight tooth and nail for that man. And I'm not even on his team, but I, I see the the leadership that he brings is incredible. One thing that interests me is that in recent weeks, Florida's approached the tight end position differently defensively because earlier in the season. It was just, hey, Utah, throw to your tight ends almost exclusively, pick up a ton of yards, and almost win the game. And you saw that even Kentucky, who I am not impressed with their tight ends, had success throwing to their tight ends. So it worried me a little bit. In recent weeks, Florida's seen a a bit of a defensive shift pretty much since, since the bye. They've approached tight ends differently. You look at the Georgia game, they played a lot more man on the the best tight end group that I've probably ever seen in college football. And and they're better than a lot of NFL tight end rooms. They're just three deep with all guys that first round talent, whether or not they go there, we'll see. But but first round talent. And it, it's the X factor for me here. Trey Dean the third, who Trey has been um roasted relentlessly on Gators Twitter. They don't like him that much. Say what you will about that. I don't want to get involved in that part. Um, But in recent weeks, he's been doing what I begged this coaching staff to do in the offseason. I said, Trey Dean is 6'3", 210 pounds, jacked, incredibly long arms. Make him a tight end eraser. And in recent weeks, they've let him play man coverage and tight end production has significantly dropped. I want to see them do that with Jaheim Bell because... Jaheim Bell is a freak. There is no way around it. He is a physical freak. He's a mutant. Like, like he is, you talk about having tight ends in the run game, like Chico Cuanco with the Tennessee Titans and John U. Smith did with the Patriots and the Titans. That's what Jaheim Bell could be. Like, like there are legitimate places that list him as running back slash tight end. That is ridiculous. Like, like he's that athletic. Trading in the past two weeks since the bye, been targeted 11 times in coverage, allowed four catches for 60 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, two passes broken up. I would like to see him be the guy that, that kind of draws Jaheim Bell here because Jaheim Bell, matchup nightmare, no matter who you put on him. But I think trading's your best bet because as much as I love Ventrell Miller, I think he'd get torched if he was left with Jaheim Bell. As much as I love Ventrell Miller and as much as I like Amari Bernie, uh, I, I think that covering Jaheim Bell is one of the most difficult tasks you can give someone in college football. Like, he's not as good, in my opinion, as Kyle Pitts was. 
but he is that athletic size matchup nightmare that I think gives defensive coordinators fits. I imagine Patrick Tony has not slept well this week trying to figure out how to stop or slow him down. I think one of the biggest matchups that I'm looking for is Spencer Rattler against this defense. Uh, just, just in general, because Spencer Rattler is hot or cold. Uh, I don't think there's a way around that. We both have quarterbacks that are just either really good or really bad. And Spencer Rattler, you know, had a little, uh, little, little we'll call it a slump buster against Vanderbilt. Because that, that, it is what it is. He, he hadn't thrown a touchdown for two games before that. Threw three against Vanderbilt. Great win. Great game for him. And he is obviously physically very talented. Dating back to Oklahoma, he was someone who, whether or not he was getting guys in the end zone, he was efficient. He's taking care of the ball. He's making plays that a lot of other quarterbacks wouldn't want to make. And he kind of fell off somehow. I don't even know what happened with Oklahoma. He fell off, fell out of favor. Caleb Williams became the guy. And when he went to South Carolina, it terrified me because I was just like, this kid, if he's on, is incredible. And I think the matchup is, is trying to not only stop him as a passer, and he's not necessarily thought of as a scrambler, but he can extend plays a lot. And that is what worries me. When he starts extending, uh, extending plays, we saw Tennessee dash Florida by extending plays. Hendon Hooker did that like it was his job to literally just wait eight seconds and have a wide open receiver. So Spencer Rattler is the thing that terrifies me when you're looking at how this Florida Gators defense can stop him because you got a great run game if Lloyd's healthy, and then you got Spencer Rattler can throw it to Jaheim Bell, and he's a physical freak, and that just terrifies me. Oh, yeah, no, and Spencer Rattler, of course, it, it will – the laden of this game or the burden of trying to win this game, I guess, will fall more on his shoulders, especially if Marshawn Lloyd is out for this contest. And, of course, that was a question mark even for the Vanderbilt game, as bad as that Commodore defense is. And, I mean, it is really, really bad. You know, it, it was a question mark of just how much he could handle that kind of pressure in that moment after a loss like that. And he handled it pretty well. Another quick matchup I'm going to watch here, Brandon, um, is South Carolina's defensive backs against Florida's wideouts. And with this, I'm not really so much talking about the talent, although there is some talent here with both these position units, but more so the size and physicality because South Carolina likes to run a lot of man coverage in Clayton White's scheme because they got some pretty decently sized corners. I mean, Cam Smith could be a first-round pick in April for the Gamecocks. Six foot, 188 pounds. Marcellus Stiles, six foot, 192 pounds. Darius Rush, six foot two, 200 pounds. You don't have that kind of size across the board in very many defensive back rooms at that cornerback spot. Florida is one of the few teams that we're looking at this roster and who they have normally playing out there. They could actually match that size and physicality. Xavier Henderson, Justin Shorter, Ricky Pearsall, and Trent Whittemore. Maybe there's someone else you could throw in there, Brandon. But those four guys were the main guys that I saw playing in the film that I watched. And their average height and weight is six foot two and three quarter inches and 206 pounds. So one of the more physically imposing wide receiver units that South Carolina might play all year. And there's been some injury issues in this secondary. So they're extremely thin at certain spots. So the question really is, is Clayton White going to continue to call for man coverage like he has for most of this season, which could both, you know, put guys in tough spots and maybe make them more susceptible to injury because of all the contact and maybe give Anthony Richardson a chance to make some big scramble plays, excuse me, because You know, when you play man coverage against a quarterback like that, you're taking a real massive risk with his running ability. 
Or will he stray away from maybe a strength with this secondary and call a lot more zone, you know, to try to protect those guys and, you know, maybe make it a little bit more easier for these corners. That's going to be a matchup that I'm also going to watch in this contest. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it works out there with, I mean, Justin Shorter last week did not play because he was dealing with an injury that we have not been told really what it is, but he was a game time decision. We'll see what happens this week. Uh, Gators fans know that right now we're recording shortly before the depth chart comes out because Billy likes to go, hey, late Wednesday night is where we're going to put it out. Um, so, so we don't know yet. I would imagine Justin Shorter is a questionable decision, um, which we'll see. He, he's been huge. I think that you'll look at maybe Caleb Payday Douglas stepping up a little bit. He played quite a bit against Texas A&M in Justin Shorter's absence. Ricky Pearsall. Slick Ricky, pretty Ricky, whatever you want to call him. He's, I think, going to be the guy that Florida looks for where he doesn't have that that great physical size, but against man coverage, he's been great this year. He's one of the few Florida receivers that can actually do this weird thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Andrew, but receivers are supposed to do this called create separation. Ricky Pearsall is one of the few guys that can do that on this Florida Gators team. So I'm kind of looking to see how that shapes up. And I can tell you now, if I'm South Carolina, I'm not calling man. <laughs> Anthony Richardson's one of the most athletic people on the field at all times. I'm not calling man. We saw him last week. I get it. It was a designed run play. 60-yard rushing touchdown where he outran everybody. And I think at that point, you can't give him that window. We saw LSU. I believe it was an 81-yard rushing touchdown. You saw Utah, 45-yard rushing touchdown. He's consistently gashed teams as a scrambler, especially like, yeah, last week was a designed run. He's consistently picked up huge chunk yardage as a scrambler. And I think that if you're any defense playing man coverage against him is a huge mistake, unless you can consistently generate pressure as well. And you consistently have someone in the spy. We saw Kentucky do it. We saw Tennessee do it where you spy, you blitz the hell out of them and you play man coverage on the back end. But even then, you're one screw up away from a huge rushing touchdown. So we'll see what happens with that one. It's certainly something that I'm looking forward to. We're about to make our predictions for the game. And first, I got to tell you about my favorite sports book, by the way, Bet Online, because this crossover is brought to you by Bet Online. The Florida Gators are currently eight point favorites in this one, which means if you're, I'm putting you on game here if you're a Gamecocks fan. If you're a Gators fan, you know what to do. Gators are favored, which means bet South Carolina to cover the spread. Florida, in every game this season they've been favored, have not covered the spread. They're not a team that covers. Good teams win, great teams cover. Florida, not a great team right now. They have not been able to cover every game that they've been underdogs they've covered, though. But unfortunately, that doesn't help us at all in this matchup. So check out Bet Online, whether you're doing it on your mobile device, like that's how I always do it. You want to use your computer. Bet, bet South Carolina to cover the spread. They probably will, but head to the website today, use your mobile device, check out all the trends and action, and check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. And to wrap up this crossover action, we are making predictions here. And Andrew, I don't know, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? How, how do you want to do it? I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. I'm interested to hear what you got to say. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, like I said, Florida right now, covered or favored by eight. That ain't happening. Um, that, that's just not what's going to happen. I think Florida will win this game. I think it'll be closer. Florida's a great team where 
if you're a struggling offense to get back on track, you had Vanderbilt where you got back on track, and now you're South Carolina, you take the next step. I think Florida wins this game 35-31. I, I don't think it's going to be a necessarily low-scoring game. That's not that's not what Florida's been doing. I will say I think Florida can win this one. I think Florida's offense can make some plays because they seem to be getting back on track. Anthony Richardson just played his most complete game as a quarterback, which thank God that we finally saw that happen. And he looks more comfortable than we've seen him look. I also think that this being the last home game of the season for the Gators, this being the last game in the swamp if you're a Gators senior, I think they're just going to be playing with an with an added fire here, especially – I know a lot of them were pissed off after last year allowing 288 rushing yards to South Carolina in a game where everybody was like, hey, this is kind of the game where the team quit on Dan Mullen. So I I think that Florida's got a little bit more riding on it, but as always, I think they're going to give up some points because that's what they do. You know who they are. Well, Brandon, with my prediction, uh, this might surprise you a little bit, honestly. Um, I'm going to be honest, Gamecock fans. In terms of South Carolina's defense versus this Gator rushing attack, I think this is about the absolute worst matchup possible for South Carolina. South Carolina's given up an average of 187.5 yards against Power 5 opponents this year. Florida, I believe, ranks in the top 25 in rushing offense. They have three legitimate rushing threats in Anthony Richardson, Montrell Johnson, and uh, Trevor Etienne. So when I look at this game, I look at South Carolina's linebacker court. I have, and you know, if I'm Shane Beamer, I'm talking to those guys and I'm saying, look, this is a game where y'all got to show up. Y'all got to lead the charge. Six year seniors, Sherrod Green, Brad Johnson. You know, this is y'all's last time playing against the Florida Gators. It's your final three games in your, you know, or your final few games period in your college career. We need y'all to lead this defense in this game. It's going to be a tough game in the swamp. Brandon just mentioned all the external motivation that, the Florida Gators are probably going to have coming into this game with the senior day and, you know, what happened last year and the bad memories of that night and all that. And I just don't think South Carolina schematically, based on what they've shown over the last few weeks, I don't think they can stop this Gator offense. I just don't. The Florida Gators pride themselves on the running game. It They build everything off of that. And I just don't think South Carolina can contend with it, honestly. And then when you look at the offense – I think that South Carolina, it's all going to depend on Marshawn Lloyd. I literally think that he can make or break their potential to win this game on the offensive end by himself. He is that important for this team. If Marshawn Lloyd is playing, there's no doubt he is probably not going to be 100%. Deep thigh bruise is nothing to mess with as a running back. So you'll probably see Jaheim Bell get some snaps back there once again. Maybe not 18, 19 carries, but you would still probably see him get some snaps. Christian Bill Smith, Juju McDowell, you're going to have to carry more of a load this week. You're going to have to step up because Lloyd's not going to be able to do it this week. And South Carolina's O-line, look, they they still have their struggles in run blocking. Marshawn Lloyd, I think, has to get the most yards after contact in the SEC at the running back spot because there's still too many guys that penetrate through the offensive line up front. Florida might not be great in terms of the statistics. They still got dudes up front. Gervon Dexter, he's going to be a problem, in my opinion, for the interior alignment for South Carolina. So, Spencer Rattler, I think this is a game where you got to go ham. You can't throw for like 185 yards and a couple touchdowns. I think that you might have to throw for like 250-plus, maybe around 300, if you want to win this football game. Because South Carolina's defense, I don't think it's going to be able to stop Florida for the majority of this game. You might have to bend, but don't break in the in terms of this contest. So, overall, I think Florida covers. 
I just think that from a matchup standpoint, this is just it's just not in South Carolina's favor. So I got Florida winning this game 38 to 24. So they cover that eight point spread. And the over under being set at 59, I think that that goes over. I definitely think defense will be at a premium in this game. So um, again, I could be wrong, but I just uh, I've seen this tape before with South Carolina, and I'm just not going to buy into it this time. Don't you just love that? It, I feel like every every SEC host that I've done a crossover with, it's just like nobody is confident. Like we, we all just like we're all like, yep, we're gonna something's gonna happen. We've just been burned so much. Unless you're, you know, Georgia or Bama, everybody's just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like LSU is a great football team now. They improved significantly. When I was with Caroline, she was just like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> we're we're just gonna see what happens with it. it it's great. SEC, it, it just means more, you know, but it's also the, the really elite program, the elite universities just constantly hurt our feelings. And I can't wait for it. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for this game. I'm Brandon Olson, Locked On Gators, Andrew Lyon, Locked On Gamecocks. Make your second listen, Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy. And Andrew, you, like every other SEC host, has gotten to see this. Check out the best coverage on the best conference, including. The best university, the University of Florida, right there on Lockdown SEC.